This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Good evening, everybody. Happy Tuesday. A dreary Tuesday evening, a rainy one. It is Kenny and Heilprin. I am Ben Kenny. That is Zach Heilprin here to here to talk with you about the end of Cincinnati SMU on Saturday, a game I was uh, watching with a very stern eye and analytical eye, Zach. I was excited to watch the Badgers, but no, Cincinnati took what? Three, four kneel downs. They beat SMU by two. So I, what were your thoughts on that game? I have no idea. I, <laughs> I, I don't recall seeing that on my television screen at all, or even thinking about it until it was in my mentions, like where the hell is Wisconsin game? ESPN sucks. Where is this game? I need to see the Badgers. And my understanding is by the time anybody else was able to tune in, it was already 14 to nothing Wisconsin. That's how good things were going for the Badgers on Saturday. Indeed. Shout out to Wisconsin on BTN, which is a Fox affiliated Twitter account for actually tweeting out the highlights Mm. of what had gone on. And yes, Wisconsin, a big win against Purdue 35 to 17 is what I am proclaiming the final okay. score to be. Sure. I, we're not really accepting what gone on, what went on on the goal line, and we'll get to it. But we mentioned last week this team is consistently inconsistent. Well, on Saturday, uh, Jim Leonard's first home game as head coach. They get the big win. I guess that's the roller coaster we've come to expect from this team. I, to me, it kind of was their most complete game against a team with a pulse. Like, Northwestern's one thing. Uh, Washington State definitely has a pulse, and the Badgers did not play a complete game. The other out-of-conference opponents, not much of a pulse against a team like Wisconsin has. But when you talk about Washington State, Michigan State, the losses, but even, uh, I I think, I, I mean, it's what, their first win against a team with a pulse. But it was definitely their most complete game. When you look at offense, defense, 35-10 to 10 entering the fourth quarter, they really stepped up in big moments in the first half to hold a comfortable lead against a really solid Purdue team. I, I was very impressed, Zach, I must say. Back on the wagon. Uh, not back on the wagon. Yeah, you are. You no, believe not. in this team. No, be- I don't. You believe in this team. I don't believe in this team. I have a where Ben was wrong thing from the game. And yes, Wisconsin won. I clearly picked Purdue, and I was wrong about them winning. The thing I was the most wrong about, honestly, like I had faith this offense would, would do enough I had faith. I, Mertz at home has been playing really well. But the defense against an explosive passing attack, for the most part, held their own until late in the fourth quarter when the game was completely decided. The quiet, so, yeah, go ahead. Health obviously matters a lot. Alex Smith was back. I thought he played great. And then Malman back on the offensive line as well. But I was, I was really, really I, excited about what the defense did against, again, a really good Purdue offense. The quietest 320-yard performance in... Uh, Purdue history. Perhaps. Is that what he had? Yeah. That's what he ended up with. But it was quiet. He had 257 going into that final drive. He ended up obviously putting a whole bunch more uh, on on the uh, on the road there. And then obviously Charlie Jones, the quietest 10 catches for 105 yards you've ever heard of uh, as well. He, yeah. had, he had one circus catch that was ridiculous where he knocked it off his foot, you know, and, and, and caught it. That was cool. But otherwise, we told Alex Smith in the postgame, like, yeah, I know he had 10 catches, and he, like, stopped the guy who was asking the question in the middle. goes, 10? Get 10? <laughs> what? Really? And he did, but they were not they were not impact plays whatsoever outside of that one, and it was that was in garbage time. So Alex Smith did a great job. Um, John Torchio, fantastic. But I think it all points back to Jim Leonard, because Jim Leonard is the kryptonite for 
um, AOC. I mean, it's just you look at his stats against everybody else. I think it's 54 touchdowns, 18 interceptions against Wisconsin. It's three touchdowns and seven interceptions. So they've they've owned him and uh, they read him like a book. They read him like a book. Uh, and we'll get to that play on Owen in a second here, but it felt like John Torchio knew exactly where the ball was going on his two interceptions. Like it wasn't even close. And he said, I shouldn't even say it seemed like it. He told us after the game, that he knew where it was going. Yeah. That, let's do that now. I mean, I remember, I forget who I asked, but I asked why it always seems like John Torchio is in the exact right place. It was either uh, Benton or Herbig at big 10 media day. And uh, they said, uh, obviously, some of it is just his ability, but also his preparation, the preparation from Jim Leonard and and just uh, how he enters the game. And yeah, that seemed like number one, terrific plays, Uh, really the best game I've seen him play. I feel like like he was up there stopping the run. He was everywhere. But yeah, that first pick six to make it a 14 nothing game. uh, If you didn't watch it on television because it wasn't on television at the time, he just knew exactly where it was going. It was telegraphed. And I, AOC, he gets a little jumpy back there against the Jim Leonard defense. He felt a little anxious. He does. It's hilarious because they they mentioned it going. I went when I went back and watched the game, and and they mentioned like he was anxious to get back out there against Wisconsin after what was a disastrous performance last year against the Badgers. Uh, he was looking, you know, for some redemption. It did not happen. Uh, his, you know, that first third down, as soon as the running back went in motion. John Torchio, you could see, you can like on the replay, you can kind of see him moving up, but you can even see it on the on the uh, regular copy. His shadow is like moving up just outside the screen to try and jump that, and the only thing he had to do was not jump it too quick so that uh, O'Connell would wouldn't throw the ball. Like he has to see that, that there's a guy potentially going to be there, but as soon as he did, it was just like, yep, here's my that's mine, and he did the exact same thing on the on the tight end too. Here's my I have many stats of the day. Here's stat of the day number one. This season, John Torchio, two receiving touchdowns, uh, two pick sixes total. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. I'm going to let, let you finish this. I, I'll let you guess it. I'll let you say it. No, it's your stat. The Iowa passing offense. There it is. The Iowa wide receivers, two receiving touchdowns. Yes. And it <laughs> is a week. We've just finished week eight. Ugh. And here we stand. We're going to get to that Iowa-Ohio State game coming up later. I had so much fun on Saturday watching that. I'm glad the country is finally, like, I, people have been realizing as the weeks have gone on, but now everybody's hip to it. Man. And Ohio and uh, nice man Douglas Amherst down at uh, Ohio State making sure everybody else that didn't know about it definitely knows about it. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So I let's get into the drives, especially early, because Wisconsin was up 21 nothing before you could even blink. Obviously, this team needs to play from ahead when they've had to play from behind. It hasn't gone great throughout this season. So they get out to an early lead and you tweeted something out. Bobby Ingram's first drives uh, the first scripted drive to open the game. The Badgers start with the ball. Couple Braylon Allen runs for five, six yards. You have a couple big Mertz to Skylar Bell completions, one of them a long touchdown. To me, the entire first half, and you correct me if I'm mistaken, it felt like they made a concerted effort to roll Mertz out and, and get him going out to his right and attack what was a pretty banged up Purdue secondary. I try to attack the corners there, make them make decisions. And each time, I, I, it felt like every time Mertz rolled out, they had a chunk play whether it was the touchdown to Skylar Bell, a couple more Skylar Bell receptions. I think Jim Ray DK got one off that. But to me, that is you have kind of a struggling offensive line. 
it's not hiding them, but it's definitely helping them. Like you're scheming away from having to actually drop back and pass protect. And then Mertz was on the money there. So seven, nothing off the bat. Uh, Bobby Engram scripted drives have been terrific since uh, Paul Christ was fired. And since he really, you know, took the reins as like DOC without Chris there. But yeah, th- that was my biggest takeaway. I was really impressed at his plan early. Yeah. Four, their last four games, touchdown against Illinois, went right down the field against the Illini and didn't really do anything the rest of the game. Uh, Northwestern went right down the field, had that missed field goal, but it didn't stop them because they, the offense was, was clicking that day. Michigan State went right down the field and scored. Obviously, we're not did not have as much success the rest of the game. And then on uh, on Saturday, went right down the field and scored. And so, yeah, I th- I, they put some emphasis, I think, on those opening drives. They've been scripted well. They've practiced uh, a, a lot uh, in, in trying to make that uh, be a thing. And I think there's a focus there. But I would love to, I mean, I, you know, is it them? Is the defense making adjustments after it? Is it them um, not being able to execute? Whatever it is, it, you feel like you should be able to do that a lot, right? You feel like if you're having that much success on first down, you've got the defense on, not first down, but on their first drive, you got the defense on their heels. Like maybe that's something you can perhaps uh, in the uh, in the bye week where you're able to do some self-scout and, and that type of thing, maybe figure out exactly why it isn't able to continue throughout the entire game. Now, again, offense, not the, not the problem uh, against Purdue at all. But, yes, in terms of getting Graham Mertz on the outside, I, it looks good. You, he throws the ball really, really well, moving to his right. And I don't think that was ever something that was coming out of high school was something that you would put, point to and say, yes, that's him. Because he threw on it. Almost everything he threw in high school was from the pocket, just based on watching his highlights. Uh, a lot of it was from the pocket. There wasn't a whole lot of running on a lot of uh, throwing on the run. The greatest thing about the first touchdown is that's not what they were expecting to happen. So you have two routes there, right? You have Chimray DK short. And you have Skylar Bell deep and Purdue had shown on film that they would bail out and stay with the deep guy and the ball would go to Chimray. They did not do that. They came up on Chimray and it allowed obviously Skylar Bell to be wide open deep uh, with, a, with a guy that shouldn't have been covering him, trying to cover him. And he put it right where it is. It was a nice adjustment by Graham Mertz, something that had not been there throughout the entirety of practice and him just reading the situation and finding a guy exactly what you want from a guy who's in his third year starting. You would expect that. But I think it's nice to see it. Yeah, that's night and day from last year. I Maybe I'm just scarred from certain moments of last season, but there were definitely instances of him rolling out with completions there to be made, and he just couldn't pull the trigger sometimes. But here, very decisive, very on the money. Skylar Bell had a day, four receptions, 87 yards, that touchdown to start. I, I, I woke up. It was 2.20 on Saturday. I, I had the gut. Again, I tweeted, feels like a big Skylar Bell day. And it was. Good job, Ben. I'll get over there and pat you on the back after the show. Thank you. Um, I knew you you were going to bring that up. (laughs) I knew you were going to bring that up. I mean, I bring it up when I'm wrong. I had the John Torchio thing at Michigan State, and he struggled a bit there. I was wrong about that. But then you also tweeted about him uh, probably a little little sarcastically. That was very sarcastic. He got got his interception. (laughs) Yeah, on the botched field goal. Yeah, you mentioned them not having as much success after the first drive. This time, they came back. They have the pick six. Wisconsin's defense then gets a stop. Uh, the one thing I wrote down there was Alex Smith on Charlie Jones. I, I don't think we can, like, understate how important. Like, now we see what Jim Leonard was talking about in the offseason. Like, he is their best cover guy. It's not, yeah. And he was on him all game, or as much as I could see. Yep. And for the most, he did a terrific job. Look, like, 10 catches for 100 yards, fine. Yeah. But as long as he's not doing what the Michigan State guys did to you last week, then fine, you'll take it. Right. 
there was only one play. We kind of mentioned it before where he did that. And it was great coverage. It, it was, was, it was right there. He was right there and made a play and, and Charlie Jones kicked it up to himself. I mean, like, what, what are you supposed to do? There's, there's only so much you can do, but yeah, having Alex Smith, and it was, they did what I kind of thought they would do with that, with that defensive backfield. They put obviously Jay Shaw and, and Alexander Smith on the outside and they had Cedric Dort as the nickel. And then Justin Clark played uh, him and Jay Shaw kind of uh, switched off. But Alexander Smith played, I think it was 73 snaps, wow. which was by far the most uh, of any of the uh, corners. So it's clear that he is their number one. There was a point late in the drive, though. He had to come off the field. Uh, I think it was the, the field goal drive uh, that they had in the first half. But other than that, like he, uh, it's, yes, it's obvious how good he is. And now the question is, um, you know, is this back half of the season going to be enough for him or does he want to come back for another one? Yeah, that is the question. I, he's got he's got a sixth year to use because he he's got the COVID, so he could use it if he wants to, just because he hasn't been able to have that full season. But again, maybe he'll do enough here in these last six games or five games, you know, to prove that he can that he can be like a draft pick at some point. But it'd be a huge huge lift if he were to come back. Yeah, you have Rashad Wild Goose out there guarding Packer wide receivers and having some success. So yeah. maybe he follows those lines. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm really going to quit in the middle of the season and. No, no, <laughs> no, no, I, I haven't was, uh, for anybody. I, that was a joke. Wild Goose was hurt. So it is what it is. I haven't gone as far as to think about Smith's future plans, kind of reveling in how how well he played on Saturday. But you mentioned how the offense at times this season had a lot of success early and then they hit that immediate rut afterwards. That did not happen this time. They get the ball back up 14, nothing Mertz to bell, a couple rollouts, a big Braylon Allen run. And then they score in the red zone. And that's another thing I want to highlight here. I mean, they still, this season, are really, really good when they get into scoring opportunities. Just getting there more. Yes. The only problem is they haven't gotten there as consistently uh, as they've needed to. But when they have, and that merge to Chimray DK was off schedule, they were just out backyard football making a play. I mean, I don't know what, I, the personnel is going to be so different entering next season. But the fact that it's night and day from last year, his Mertz's decision-making decision in the red zone and the offense as a whole, that's a great sign. And Is the personnel going to be so much different? I figure it would be at least a little bit. You mean the personnel? Well, I don't know about the, the quarterback The personnel position. on the sideline? Or the personnel in the game? Maybe Is Jim the, Ray DK going somewhere? Maybe the personnel at the quarterback position. Is Skyler Bell going somewhere? Oh, oh, yeah, I forgot. You're on maybe. The, I forgot. You're on, the, you're on the bandwagon. Or not the bandwagon. You're on the, on the idea that, that uh, Graham Mertz is going to transfer. No, um, I just don't know. There are, there are a lot of unknowns, I think. There's, there's a lot of rumors out there. Is that really? what you're trying to say? No. no. So it's just a gut feeling. It's just a gut feeling where I don't know how much okay, the Chris way. thing, like he's not going to transfer midseason. I figure with him starting and him playing really well, I don't know what it's going to look like. I, I guess I'm erring on the side of with Leonard probably coming in after this season. I expect turnover. And Graham, when there isn't, I will be very pleasantly surprised. Graham Mertz is the guaranteed starter next year. I don't know how many other programs you go to and say, I'm the guaranteed starter here. That's true. Right? That would, that he would not have to compete. Like, he's the guy. He's he's he. Look, he's going to have a season, and I know maybe this isn't the, well, it's a bye week. Maybe we can do it. Uh, there's, there's still a lot of games left to go. He's going to potentially have a season that is going to only trail what Russell Wilson and Scott Tolzien did in back-to-back years in, in 2010 and 2011. Statistically, statistically. That doesn't say that he's the best quarterback that's that's been here uh, of those guys, but statistically, without having you know, uh, uh, yes, statistically he's going to be right up there. 
better than Jack Cohn, better than yeah, John, uh, John Stocko, better than no, schedule, it's, schedule it, stuff. It's literally, I mean, Stats, I, I, Zach, love, I he, love Braylon Allen. I do. I really like Braylon Allen. He's not Jonathan Taylor. That's true. And I like Skylar Bell and I like Tim Ray DK. Neither of those guys is Quintez Cephas. So let's just be fit. And, and uh, while I appreciate Jack Eschenbach's uh, contributions, uh, he's not Jake Ferguson. So to sit here and say that Graham Mertz is working with better weapons than what Jack Cohn did, or even working with a, a, a tougher schedule, lighter schedule. I don't know what, what your, what your, your thing was there because they played virtually nobody in 2019. Uh, I'm not. T- I, I all I'm saying. You can use stats to paint any picture you want here. Okay, we can get into. So coming either up- way. So either way. So Graham Mertz, what he's done uh, going into next year. If if all the, if I, like I think the personnel. If, if everyone. If depends on again. What does the offensive staff look like? Right. I think that could play a big role as to whether guys want to leave or not. But they're set up for a ton of success next year based on the personnel that could potentially be coming back. Yes, and the Especially point the point I also want to make is Badger fans should want him back. Yes, anybody uh, that doesn't, anybody that doesn't, uh, you're a hater. Like that's that's just what it is. Has he been great all the time? Has he been great against high level competition all the time? No, but he is uh, a very solid quarterback that can lead this team to a bunch of wins. And he has shown us that he is getting better. Yes. As time goes along. And also, as he said, more time with these weapons, which are new from last year, aside from DK, uh, especially Bell there. So, yeah, uh, coming up on Tuesday, next week, a week from today, we will have our bye week special. We'll talk a lot about Jim Leonard. We'll talk about Graham Mertz. We'll get into all of that. Zach, I have a couple more game thoughts I have to touch on. Uh, I'm going to use stats to paint my picture here. (laughs) Of course Um, you are. So Wisconsin wore suits off the bus. Oh, geez. Yep. And they won. Again, they are 2-0 under Jim Leonard wearing suits off the bus. However, they wore white pants yeah, and not red pants. So it's, it's really hard to handicap in that way. Uh, there was a Twitter account, however, that brought up the best stat I have seen all season. Dub Jellison. I, I don't believe that is the real name. Says Purdue has never won a game directly after a Taylor Swift album release. 2006, 2008, 2010, 2012. 14, 17, 19, uh, no 2020, and then add this week to the list. And it, I, came, and it came out at midnight, right? I That's what I don't know. I just have heard about a Taylor Swift album. That was called, It's called. is it called Midnight? That's a great question. I, I'm going to get or the research. Just out at midnight? I'll get the research department on that. Those are things that I don't really I spend much th- time. Th- uh, we we're probably not the greatest people to be talking to about. No, but when we talk about the post-game handicapping, like my game notes every week start with suits off the bus, yay or nay. And then we go from there. The fact that the Taylor Swift thing played in, I should have found that earlier. I should have known because after looking back, it's, it's pretty clear. And then Wisconsin comes out and wins again, 35 to 17 because the goal line stand did not happen. Here's the thing. You didn't know it was coming out. That is also a good point. So like when we picked games on Thursday, you didn't know that. Maybe I could have gone on to deep Reddit holes to know that just to figure out when the next Taylor Swift album is coming out to find whatever angle I can get on Purdue. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be better for yeah, this show, for the sake you. of our listeners. I got you. I'm trying to be better for the sake of our listeners. Speaking of that, where I was wrong, mention it at the top. I thought Purdue would come in and win the game. I was clearly wrong about that, but more so I was very wrong about a almost a complete defensive effort against the Purdue offense where 
I mean, the inside linebacker play still might give you a little more to to a little left to be desired. But when we talk about while Keanu Benton's on the field, the front's been playing out of their minds still. The secondary was balling. They forced turnovers. Like, looking back at the stats does not paint close to a, a clear picture of this game. Purdue had 431 total yards. The Badgers had 381. 320 passing yards, like you mentioned, to Mertz's 203. They had 21 first downs. Wisconsin had 16. But Purdue turned the ball over three times. Wisconsin did once. You look at yards per play, though. Purdue, 5.4 yards per play. Wisconsin averaged 7.6. I would love to find the last time Wisconsin had a yards per play clip of that high. Because that doesn't feel like something they normally do. Uh, Yeah, probably not. So they had some long drives. They they score on the 76-yard drive, the 80-yard drive, but they have the pick six. Uh, They have the two-play 14-yard drive after the other Torchio interception. Um, and then there was the uh, the muff punt as well. So I, I don't know. The stats don't paint the clear picture. I I thought it was one of the more impressive games from Jim Leonard's defense that we've seen this season. And I'm not going to look at the stat sheet and be pushed off of that thought from what I saw from the group. Uh, do you have anything else? I, the only other thing I wrote down from this game was Jeff Brom's shirt looked really weird. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see it. He came out with stripes and they were odd stripes and maybe it was really bright out. So it. It uh, brought it out more. Um, there was that. Why in the world, Zach and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I am asking. I, I, I'm asking space. I'm asking the cloud. Why in the world was Braylon Allen back in the game for for multiple plays, and it seemed like multiple drives after he got banged up, and Wisconsin was up twenty five. Yeah, I I don't agree with it, but I under, I guess I I understand where they're coming from. I just wouldn't agree with it. Like he's the, the game. Technically not out of reach um, if they hadn't, you know, been able to get a few plays. I I don't understand him carrying the ball with like a minute and a half left, like down that, that final where they pretty was going to let them take a knee type of thing after uh, after they got the onside kick. Um, I would not have put him back in unless it was a one score game. And uh, but that's again, that's my point of view. And Jim Leonard said, hey, the ball ball's not that heavy. That's what he said. Ball's not that heavy. He, it's a Barry Alvarezum. Oh, um, it's it's like you know he's banged up, right? But he's good enough to play, and the ball ain't that heavy. All right. Well, uh, in the future, I would like that not to be the case. Him back out there after being banked up with Wisconsin up big and Garendo looking very good. Uh, but I guess I'll just sit here and save that critique. There is something I would like to propose to the Wisconsin football program, Zach, as well as to the Packers. Honestly, Packer fans that are listening, this goes to you too. Maybe across college football. I'm going to tell you what it is when we come back. It has to do with special teams. It has to do with how teams plan their, their special teams approach to games. We'll talk about that when we return. We have some more thoughts on the bye week. Where does it help Wisconsin? Who should you root for this weekend? We'll touch on that. Big Ten wraparound from the week. It was an interesting one, to say the least. That is all coming up next. He is Zach Heilprin. I'm Ben Kenny. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Unfortunately, not taking calls. The timing does not allow. However, if you want to be heard, if you have thoughts, at Zach Heilprin on Twitter. At Ben Z. Kenny. Tweet at us. More than welcome to. I urge you to do so. At Kenny underscore Heilprin for the show as well. 
if you're listening to this as a podcast. Zach, I have a proposition for all college teams, most notably in this state, and then also for the Green Bay Packers as well. Can we stop putting people back to catch punts, finally? Like, I am I am convinced, and I have not found stats on this, that the risk and the percentage of times that the punt is muffed greatly outweighs the plus seven yards of field position that it that it keeps from the other team gaining. So we had this conversation on the camp with me and Jesse last year, the year before, about how much yardage was saved by guys coming up and catching the ball instead of letting it bounce. Because this, this wasn't, you know, going up and getting it or letting it bounce type of thing. Um, because that was that's that was the conversation before. Like, why don't, Jim Leonard, you could see Jim Leonard like animated on the sideline when guys wouldn't go up and catch the ball and letting it bounce and, and let it in. So we had this conversation, and there were stats to back it up that it it's pretty significant. Um, but at the end of the day, and this is Bill Bush, the former Wisconsin special teams coach under Gary Anderson. I remember talking to him about punt returns, and this is like one of the, the first years I I uh, covered them, and he said, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is you have the ball or not. That's the only thing that matters. You can do whatever you want. Anything else doesn't really matter. As long as you have the ball at the end of the play, that's all that matters. And, you know, Dean Ingram obviously putting it on the ground gave Purdue a little bit of life. The great thing about it, they scored, and Wisconsin's offense went right back down and scored, got the big run from Isaac Grendel, which I thought was a great answer. I don't know if that Wisconsin offense would have done that. But in terms of punt returner, um, the punt return games for both Packers and the Badgers have been less than great. I think you would say uh, the last couple of years. Yeah. And what does this Wisconsin team do well? Or what have we learned? They do well pass the football more so than not and move the ball through the air. And they have shown an ability to go and go be explosive, execute long drives I, I want the ball in their hands. I, I'm frightened. And maybe this is just watching the team as a whole. Like, this isn't one punt returner or one instance. I feel like I've seen it a little bit too many times where I, they just, when you give the ball away, and again, yeah, probably the stats say you should more times than not take whatever yardage. But how about you put 11 on the line to punt block? Maybe you block a punt for once. Well, here's the thing. I don't know how many, I mean, there was a, a punt. See, but here's the thing. If you don't put anybody back, guys are just going to boom it, and it's going to be like inside the 10 every single time. It depends on the punter. Okay, I'll give you that. If it's Tory Taylor from Iowa, put someone back there. If but, it's Andy Vujinovic? Yes, who had a terrific game. He was he was under my shout-outs from the game. Vujinovic, six punts, 42.3 yards. This is why I love Big Ten football. We talk about punters. Four punts left the Boilermakers starting at their 10, 1, 8, and 13. The one-yarder was just the best punt I've seen him have. It was beautiful, Zach. Yes. Like, it's it's not even that it went out at the one. It's that it bounced out at the one. Yeah. 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 Again, and I I wanted to – I completely forgot to mention him on, on the camp this week. So, I'm glad we got – I'm glad I got to mention him. Yeah. Shout-out Andy Vujinovic. Big game um, after some struggles in the beginning of this season. The other, yeah, uh, we touched on Garendo. We, we touched on John Torchio in the last segment. Bill Connolly of ESPN, uh, who does a lot of stats. He does SP+, Plus, which, uh, like it or not, whatever. Put that aside. He, <laughs> he was discussing today. To be fair, Ben loves it. I do. Uh, he was discussing today. What do you love more, Shadow War or Bill Connolly? <laughs> I mean, excuse me, Bill Connolly, not Bill O'Connolly. 
I think they're all valuable tools and how we which cult talk about to? these teams. Which, which cult do you belong to? I, I, I love them all. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. I, I just like the, the perspective that the numbers give. Yeah. In terms of, you know, who does well and who doesn't and how can games be won and all that stuff. Sure. The Big Ten West race, according to Bill Connolly and uh, numbers that have been crunched. Wisconsin, you said, entered the week with a 2.5% chance to win the Big Ten West. That's what I was told by uh, by Nelly, but I, I don't know. I'm not going to. I'm okay. certainly not going to go to to war with that. Got uh, it. With that well, number. with the win, uh, Wisconsin sits at 4% yeah. right now. Purdue at 33 and Illinois up there at 56%. Do you see, and this is the conversation we had off the air, not not you and me, but somebody else. Do you see Illinois losing three games? So this was also a discussion we had on air this morning. No, I don't. Oh, yeah, neither and do I. even if they do, who would they lose to? Michigan. Purdue, which Purdue. would then put Purdue and give well, them the Purdue, West. Purdue wins out. Yeah, it would need to be, and this gets us to the bye week primer. It would need to be this weekend. It would need to be Nebraska, Yeah, which is possible. Nebraska can score. Casey Thompson can sling it around. They've been okay under Mickey Joseph, like I guess better than they've been under Frost. But I mean, I mean, but you had you have uh, Casey Thompson below Graham Mertz in your quarterback rankings. I do. Uh, they made Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin offense look very, very poor. Illinois' defense is very, very good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they are, uh, as a team, as a whole, I, I've apologized for Illinois. Yeah. Illinois is a lot better than I thought. I think they're a lot better than anybody thought, but I also don't know how Nebraska stops Illinois' offense. Like They're going to run the ball down their throat. Also, Heinrich, the linebacker, out for the season. Uh, yeah, they are, the, this Nebraska offense was horrible to start the year, and they have... Defense. Yes. Defense. Did I say offense? You did. Um, they've only gotten worse. Yeah. Definitely. I, I'm also going to retract my apology for Purdue... Like, Purdue's not winning the West. Okay. So you apologized last week, and now you're taking your apology back? Uh, yes, because I thought Purdue would win the game on Saturday. Yeah, and they is, haven't. Yeah, this is a tough scene for you. No, I, I'm being this very... This why you just don't apologize. I mean, if, if you just don't apologize in your life, you have you never have to take an apology back. Well, I'm being very upfront with the people, and, and I'm telling you where I stand on all of the things I've said throughout the beginning of the year, throughout the season. Some of them I'm wrong. Some of them I'm right. And uh, Purdue, I, I guess, still a 33% chance um to win it i'll be honest i kind of hope they do win it because there there was a conversation that we had on the way back from big 10 media day <laughs> who was the quarterback uh it was a former penn state quarterback wasn't it uh either way know. we were listening to to the radio and this guy's going on and on about how he thinks it's purdue that's going to win the west and ben could not have been more incredulous about it he it, was he he was furious about this guy saying that purdue was going to win it there's just there's no chance there's no chance and there's I, still a chance. Well, his only analysis was that Aiden O'Connell returns and he's good. Which, and they don't play. Right. Anybody, and they don't play anybody. Well, they've lost to to people. Yes, they have. They've lost to the two teams that I think a lot of people thought they would lose to going into the year. That is that true. was Wisconsin and Penn State. That is true. Uh, Zach, I will ask you though: a bowl game from where we sit now. Wisconsin is four and four. They need two wins to get a bowl. Is bowl game a lock? Are we going to go as far as to say we are? I'm I, sitting here and saying this is the Jekyll and Hyde Badgers. I don't know which Badger team's going to show up. Here's the thing I do know, at least through the three games that we've seen, they're going to come out and fight. There ain't going to be no stupid second half against Illinois where you just essentially quit. Uh, where there was the. Is it fair to say they quit? Like, I mean, it, it looked like they, they looked had. lifeless. Yes, they, they looked, looked like, lifeless. They, they looked, have not. They have not looked that way these last three weeks, even though they lost to Michigan State. They at least fought. They fought in that game. They're giving energy to Jim Leonard. They're giving energy to this team. So I sit here and say, if they bring that type of energy, I think a bowl game is a lock. Um, 
I, I can't guarantee that that's going to be the case, but I think if they bring that type of energy against the opponents that they have, they're going to have a very good chance of winning most of their games. If they don't bring that energy or if they uh, do not execute the way that they did against Northwestern and against Purdue, then losses at, yes, Iowa, losses at Nebraska, very possible. And losses to Minnesota, certainly a possibility. And obviously Maryland getting uh, uh, Tagovailoa back, which is likely going to happen. None of these games are easy ones uh, for this Wisconsin, for this Wisconsin team. Correct. If we have learned anything, it's that an egg is very, uh, very plausible as early as next time they take the field in two weeks. Right. And so what I'm saying is, no, it's not a guarantee. Okay. Even though I think they will get it. I don't think that, I don't think it's a guarantee. You mentioned the energy. I mean, uh, the post game video, Leonard going into the locker room. Yeah. Like they're juiced up. They're juiced and up. This does, this is not a slight on anybody. It is me objectively making a comment. The last coach, probably uh, that whole thing doesn't happen. Well, I mean, Jimmy Cooks, that's their song for him. And when Graham Mertz told us that on Saturday, he goes, I know you guys, none of you guys have any clue who that is. I have no clue what that is. Um, (laughs) And the only reason I knew what it was because they had been, they played it uh, previously, I think, at at Northwestern. But yes, uh, I'll say this. I, I think there's a very good chance that they do it, but I could also see them laying an egg and, and uh, and not getting it done. But this week is going to be so valuable for them. Huge for them. Yes. And if Wisconsin not only wants to make a bowl, if they want to win the Big Ten West, Nebraska over Illinois feels like a a, a decision that we need to see happen. I, yeah, because who else is going to beat them? Not Northwestern. Uh, probably not Northwestern. It's the Big Ten West, man. I don't know. Stuff. I, Northwestern might. If Tommy DeVito, unless Tommy DeVito gets hurt, Illinois is winning the West. I agree. Uh, Northwestern might this year go 0-11 in the United States. Think about that. I'd be, I'd be really upset if, uh, if I were Nebraska. And the one game that <laughs> the Northwestern won was on you. Um, yeah, yikes. Yes, they lost to Maryland on Saturday, 31-24. They were up, I think, 14 nothing or 17 nothing. Um, so, yeah, tough go of it. Against a backup quarterback. Tough go of it for the Northwestern Wildcats. All right, that don't look, is Zach. Don't look now. Maryland six and two. I Maryland's good. Yeah, I'm trying to say it. And and with Talia, offense. Yeah, my number two quarterback in the Big Ten right now. We'll see. I think man, assuming he's healthy, that's going to be such a good game in two weeks. I mean, assuming he's healthy, yeah, for sure. All right, that is Zach Alperin. I'm Ben Kenny. Reminder: We're live Thursday, five to six o'clock, Monks Barn Grill, Sun Prairie. Come out, say hello. We expect to be joined by two special guests. Check my Twitter at Ben Z. Kenny and his at Zach Heilprin for updates. I uh, definitely guess that, that you would want to know about a lot of good insight into uh, the team and where it stands today. We'll get into that probably tomorrow as we get confirmation, but live five to six Thursday monks barn grill. Come say hello. When we return some more thoughts on Wisconsin entering the bye week the big 10 wrap around as well. We have to talk about what happened in Columbus on Saturday. That is to come. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, welcome back in. Kenny and Heilprin, Ben Kenny, Zach Heilprin here with you. Some thoughts on Wisconsin's bye week in a second. Again, we're live from Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 on Thursday. If you want to find the show, it is available as a podcast. Follow us on Twitter. 
Uh, I'll post it out, probably some clips as well. But, Zach, there is some some recruiting news. Yeah, Wisconsin getting it done uh, in the state of Minnesota again. This for the basketball team, Coach Greg Gard. I treat- thought it was football at first, by the way. Coach I Greg- wanted to be a, oh, look, Leonard's the coach. Yeah, Coach Greg Gard um, uh, treating Minnesota like in-state recruiting, like the Brett Bielema style. Uh, Jack Robeson, the uh, latest commit. He's actually the first commit in 2024, uh, a small forward out of, uh, Lakeville North High School, he's 6'6", 175. Obviously, he's put on a little bit of weight. But out of Lakeville North High School, and if you'll remember or know, they've got a little bit of pipeline uh, into Lakeville North. Nate Reavers, Tyler Wall, Nolan Winter, and now Jack Robeson all have committed to Wisconsin. Uh, he was the number three prospect in the state of Minnesota, according to 24-7 Sports, a, a top 150 guy in the country, and uh, definitely had a Minnesota offer. So Wisconsin takes him out of the state and, and they're in, in on some other very talented guys in the state of Minnesota that they're trying to take in that 2024 class. A lot of really talented guys that they're uh, high on. And those guys I believe are also high on Wisconsin. So, all right. Um, yeah. So some could, momentum, it, it could be, could be some momentum. Could cool. be a very, could be a very good 2024 class, which they obviously uh, would love to see. Cool. Uh, and they play on Sunday. If I'm not mistaken, they do. They play on Sunday. They play against UW Eau Claire in exhibition action. It's their lone exhibition game. They played, uh, a close scrimmage against Northern Iowa this past week. Uh, apparently, never trailed, which is a, which is a positive thing according to Gregard. Like the, you don't get stats from it. It's like a close scrimmage. It can't be like really talked about. And in, in, uh, but uh, do you keep score? They do. Okay, they I wasn't do. sure if he was joking that no, no, they never kept score, so they never trailed. They they, they keep score. No, they keep score. They keep stats. They keep all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting team. It's it's got some pieces that I think the, he says they got three really good players. I I mean I think you could say that about Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall and Stephen Crowell, a little bigger Stephen Crowell. And then you've yeah. got some then you've got some uh, minutes to replace otherwise with without uh, Johnny Davison and Brad Davison. Man, I I'm so excited to watch Tyler Wall this year. I, I'm Are you? giddy. Oh yeah, I I I loved watching him last year, and obviously it was made a little easier because Johnny Davis was playing out of his mind and crazy good basketball. But yeah, love me some crafty Tyler wall and big Steve. I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, that goes on Sunday and, and we'll talk ba- uh, basketball team. Cause they start them the next week. We'll talk about them coming up on Tuesday, Wisconsin football on a bye week Tuesday, a kind of bye week special. We'll talk about the rest of the season. Jim Leonard. We'll also get into the basketball program. I just have one more thing um, for those that are, Interested in talking about before we talk about it, uh, new episode of The Swing coming yes. this, this week. Myself and Jesse Temple with a very special guest, a first-time guest that we've never had. We've been doing the show. This is year number six. It's our first time we've ever had this particular guest on, which is kind of be, uh, which is kind of crazy to say because um, he has a rather big role um, uh, with the program. So, But uh, very excited to, to have him on. Who? Eh? Got to, got to tune in. Oh, got to tune in. We're wow. going to be, uh, yeah, the episode coming out Thursday. We will, uh, ex- excited to have him on and, uh, talk with him for the first time. Even I might have to listen. All right, Zach. You might, you might have to, you might have to be a good teammate and listen in. <laughs> I always listen. All right. Bye week primer. I real quick before we get to the big 10 wraparound from, uh, what was a fun weekend. Definitely from my perspective. And then I, number one, are you excited to sit on the couch on Saturday and just take in some good old college football? I am the other time that I, the other times that I've had to do this this year. It's because of sickness. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to being able to do this. Like, it, 
It's a rarity. It's a rarity. And we'll get some good Big Ten ones. Talking Ohio State at Penn State, even though it's a 15 and a half point spread. And an early game. It's a big noon kickoff. People are very upset. Yeah, about biggest, that. Ti- biggest time window so in the country. Many, so many. Like, that should have been the whiteout. What is, what is Minnesota <laughs> doing in a whiteout? They got really? spanked. What is Minnesota doing in a whiteout? Northwestern at Iowa in what is probably my most anticipated game of the season next to Wisconsin at Iowa. Iowa is 11 point favorites. We will be picking that game on Thursday, no doubt. Can't wait for that one. And then Michigan What's the State. the over-under on that one? Uh, 31, I think. Lowest over-under ever. I think I, I th- it may have jumped. But uh, Michigan State at Michigan as well. Come oh, up the six. Over, over-under's jumped to 37 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Um, maybe they think, I, I don't know, Iowa might get a transfer tomorrow. Do you know that Northwestern's averaging more points than Iowa's offense? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to know. No, because uh, Iowa has the worst offense in football. That I would argue ever. Um, bye week quickly. Yes, where it helps. This is obvious. Like it's kind of late in the season, and they've been dealing with injuries to important spots all season. I wrote down a bunch of places, but for you, like the biggest place injury wise, like you think it helps, and where we should be monitoring as followers of the program. It is the guy that I think it was going to be one of the next big things on defense. That's Hunter Wohler. Uh, Hunter Wohler has been out since the opener with that uh, ankle, uh, well, broken broken ankle. Um, he is going, it sounds like, based on what everybody was saying, he is going to return and, and be in the lineup when they face Maryland, which is significant. Not to say that they haven't gotten great contributions from Kamoe Latu, obviously the Big Ten Defense Player of the Week a couple weeks ago, um, and Preston Zachman and Titus Toller. But Hunter Wohler and having him back, I think, is uh Big and and who knows how much he'll be able to jump right back in and play right away. We didn't Alex Smith didn't get that, so we'll see. Uh, but that that one is at the top of my list. And also, can they get Riley Mallman uh, back? Like, where do they want to put him? Is he a starting offensive lineman? And if he is, what do you do with Trey Wedig? Is Trey Wedig move inside? Like, I think there's some questions here uh, on the offensive line based on guys being back. Like, kind of what you want to do with them? I would throw in. I echo all of that. I'd throw in rest for Braylon Allen. Yeah, given he is. Had a big workload all season. Uh, Hayden Rucci's leg at tight end. Maybe he is back. Keanu Benton. Which would be important. Benton, yeah, rest for Benton and Herbig as well, who didn't play. Was dressed, was involved in everything except for actually playing on the field. He helped a guy off. (laughs) He was one of the guys that helped Ross Gengler off the field. Uh, uh, Was down in the end zone celebrating on John John Torchio's touchdown. So he was doing everything involved uh, in the game except for actually playing, which uh, I think is probably a good thing for them that they didn't actually need him to be on the field because him healthy is uh, him and Keanu Benton healthy are just difference makers. Yeah. And then Tyler Beach as well. I know he played, but he's been a bit banged up. So, yep. yeah, just by week for everybody. Everyone's been banged up. And this team at full health. I mean, we saw what health does on Saturday. We saw Alex Smith, Riley Mallman got in the game there, but especially Smith there on the corner. It, it kind of changed the game for the defense. And I think it's also mental, right? what you've gone through these last few weeks, what you've had to deal with uh, mentally and uh, throughout the entire season, your coach is fired. Like there's, there's a good mental break here. I think that goes along with that. Yeah, for sure. And you get to watch the, uh, the Super Bowl, the sicko Super Bowl, Northwestern at Iowa as they prep maybe for the Iowa game in a couple weeks. Is is that a future big 10 West champion Northwestern? I am going to mention that when we return because the greatest thing I saw on Twitter, aside from the preview for New Mexico state versus UMass, which is currently up on the screen. I've been looking at it for 10 minutes. It's awesome. There's a lot of red because they are two of the worst teams we've ever seen play college football. Uh, but yes. Um, all right. That is that Kyle Oprin. When we return, 
a thought on Northwestern winning the Big Ten West. Is it possible? A seven-way tie that it could happen. And then the Ohio State-Iowa debacle that was on Saturday. That is coming up next. Final segment. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right. Welcome back. A couple minutes before we're out of here. At Sicko's Committee on Twitter, I retweeted it. The Big Ten West seven-way tie scenario with four and eight Northwestern winning the West. Um, it involves Northwestern winning its final three games of the season. Wisconsin losing to Nebraska and Minnesota. I'm not going to go through all of it, but it's glorious. I urge everyone to find it. There's a way that everybody's four and five in the most chaotic division in college football. And Northwestern wins with a four and two West record by beating Illinois, Purdue, and Minnesota to finish the season. That would be fun. I think safe to say. All right. Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. Zach, the only note I wrote down for this one is LOL. <laughs> God. Uh, the, the the top of the AP thing says, Iowa's number 10 defense could only do so much. <laughs> they scored. They did. In the beginning of the game. Yes, they went up. It was, well, it was 7-3 to start yeah. the game. Despite Iowa throwing an interception when they did <laughs> on the first play on the first uh, throw of the game. They came out of the bye week with that play, Zach. Yes. And then Peters gets benched. And by the way, I, I, I felt bad for him. Like, for why Petrus is he still out Padilla? there? No, for Peters, okay. to a point, it's like... Like, it, we all knew Alex Padilla was not going to be good, right? Like, it wasn't going to matter. Like, they, there was a reason he wasn't out there, but to continue to throw Peters out there was just cruel and unusual. Exactly. It was mean. And then the first two touches Padilla has, it turned it over, yep. and Ohio State covers the 30. In, in a game that they shouldn't have. No, they like, shouldn't have. They didn't play that well. They had drives that literally were four plays, negative two yards, field goal. That was the whole game. And then a couple explosive plays when Iowa stopped trying. So I mean, it was four, yeah, four touchdown passes from C.J. Stroud in the second half. Yeah, once. Yeah, you, you could tell there was no life. Um, by the way, both of us went three and two last week on our picks. Good for us. Good Cheers. Job. Yep, yep. 19 and 25 on the season. We both stand. A lot more to come on Thursday. We'll be live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Podcast up after the show. Thanks, everybody, for hanging around. See ya. Kenny and Heilprin. Thursdays from 6 to 7 and on demand at madcitysportszone.com.